0: Hey everybody, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, I'm bringing the Bible reading tonight from Genesis 42, chapter 6 to 26. What? Verse Verse 6. Chapter 42, verse 6 to 26. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dream about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my Lord, they answered, your servants have come to buy food. We are the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with with our father and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your younger brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison, so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realise that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Thanks so much, Rochelle. Well, good evening. Uh, For those of you who don't know, my name's Charlie. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I have the distinct honour. And privileged of bringing you God's word this evening. I think those of us who come along to the evening service possibly miss the bigger picture of what is going on in SDBC and how many people actually attend here. We have five services on a Sunday. Last Sunday our five services and our two kids church gatherings had 670 people on site. 670 here at STBC, and uh, you can add to that another 52 online logins which potentially are two and a half for each login so that's over another 100 people as well. So God's certainly doing a great and mighty work here and uh, we're going to celebrate that this evening. I believe there's a cake up the back which we can enjoy uh, after um, the service this evening and uh, I invite you to stay and just get to know someone a little bit better after the service as well. In approaching this passage tonight, uh, the message actually encompasses all of chapter 42. We've only read a portion of that um, because it is quite a substantial um, chapter. And I think that, um, well, I couldn't help but compare and contrast Joseph to his brothers uh, in this particular passage. And I believe that's the direction that uh, we will be heading. But in particular, I want to look... And what it means, and, and the outworking of having a pointer that doesn't work. <laughs> Can you yes, thank you. A God-shaped conscious. Just check to see where the cursor is, so that should work. Thank you. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this evening. I thank you we can gather in this place at this time. I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you for the work that you've been doing with SDBC for the last 66 years, Lord, and I know you're going to continue to do great, mighty things amongst us. Lord, tonight, please gather with us. Please minister to us by power of Holy Spirit as each has need. And Lord, open our hearts and our minds to hear your voice, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's this old saying which is oft quoted, and uh, Houston, we have a problem. The lights are on, but no one's home. Did you do that? Yep, I'll need you to swap these for me. So if you just go to the next slide, slide, thanks. So... um, this old saying, "Let your conscience be your guide." And, and there's a lot of people who think that um, this is actually a pretty good saying, and they'd say that this is a pretty good principle f- by which for us to live by. Was that on mouse? Yeah. Did you have this this morning?) <sighs> <sighs> So our our conscience is that inner voice we all have that alerts us to what is good and evil. And the issue comes uh, comes when we ignore or silence our conscience um, and on other occasions harden or distort um, what our conscience tells us. But I want you to think about Joseph's brothers. We first hear about... Um, These guys and the terrible revenge that Simeon and Levi inflicted on Hamor and uh, Shechem. And uh, they actually killed all the males in the city. And they took all the women and all the children to serve them as slaves um, because of Dina being raped by Hamor. And it was a terrible thing to do. It was so over the top. And then we hear about Reuben. Reuben is Jacob's oldest son. And he slept with his father's concubine. Then we have Judah's sons, Ur and Onan, who both did evil in the sight of God. And they were put to death as a result. And then we have Jacob himself, this upstanding father, who slept with his daughter-in-law, not knowing it was her. Yeah, I'm glad someone had a reaction like that. And of course, we have gone through the accounts of Joseph's brothers, all of his brothers except Benjamin, selling him into slavery and then reporting that false report to their father about how Joseph was killed, slaughtered by wild animals. And so Jacob believes that Joseph is dead. Now I'm sure that what I've mentioned, you know, there's some of those things that we've said that just make us cringe. It's like they shouldn't have done this stuff. And it ain't good stuff. And it's like I wish it wasn't in Scripture. It's one of those things where, you know, it'd be good to be able to just eliminate them from Scripture. But they're there. And these men, they seem to commit these evil acts. They seem to do these things without any conscience whatsoever. It's like their consciences have been seared. And so it's not just about allowing our conscience to be our guide, it's about having a God shaped conscience. A God-shaped conscience is, a, is shaped and nurtured by the word of God. It's his word that reveals God's standards of good and evil, right and wrong. And the power of God can transform lives. And that's what we see in today's passage. That's what we see as we've heard that account read to us. And in order for our lives to be transformed, as we'll see from this passage this evening, God will most likely cause us, To be confronted by sin. It's interesting, isn't it? There's so many people who seem to operate under that false belief that, you know, we can just forget about our sins. They'll never be found out. We can keep them concealed and hidden. And I think that may have been the belief that Joseph's brothers were operating under. When they first got rid of Joseph, it was very much out of sight, out of mind. That's done and dealt with. We can actually have a much better life now that that guy has gone. Or so they thought. And in the passage this evening, we have Jacob not sending Benjamin, who was Joseph's brother, with his brothers. For he feared that harm might come to him. This is the lingering thoughts of what had happened to his other son. And it's clear that Jacob's decision and protectiveness of Benjamin is the direct result of what happened to Joseph, Joseph's demise, or so he thought. When we think back to when Jacob sent Joseph off to see the brothers, he was only 17. And when we read this account this evening, um, Benjamin would have been in his mid-20s or thereabouts. He would have certainly been old enough to make decisions for himself and to head off into the world. In fact, he possibly had children at this time as well. But Jacob cannot bear the thought of losing the last son that he has had with Rachel, the wife that he truly loved. And this attitude of Jacob and his constant choices we're not told how often he did stuff like this, but his constant choices to protect Benjamin was always before the brothers. And they knew that his choices to do that was because of what they had done to Joseph. And it seems like God's not going to allow it to rest either. He's going to keep bringing situations up which will remind them of what they have done. Has God ever done that to you? You think you can put something to rest and God just keeps bringing it up and reminding you of it. And it's interesting, isn't it? Jacob's standing there with his sons and he learns that there's grain for sale in Egypt. And he says, what are you doing? Why are you looking at each other? (laughs) Jacob hears there's grain for sale. It's obvious the sons would have heard about that grain for sale as well. And yet they do nothing. And so Jacob's asking, why are they doing nothing? Why aren't they making the decision to actually go down there? And I believe that in the back of their minds, they're remembering that the Ishmaelites that they sold Joseph to actually took Joseph to Egypt. They were heading to Egypt at that time. And Jacob himself has no issue with Egypt. He's quite willing to go down there. But the brothers, that's a little different. What if by some unknown miracle, they run into Joseph? Their guilty consciences... Won't let them rest. Won't let them go to Egypt willingly. They've got this unrepentant sin. But Jacob persists and so the brothers go. They arrive in Egypt and they bow down to this governor, Joseph. Joseph. Although they didn't realise it was Joseph. He had another name. He would have been clean-shaven. He would have been adorned as an official. And so they didn't recognise him. How many times have I or you in my life longed to have the power to make someone pay? It'd just be so awesome sometimes... Just to have the power to deal with those who've wronged me. And here's Joseph faced by his brothers who are powerless and defenseless in front of Joseph, who in reality has unlimited power and authority to do whatever he wants with his brothers. Is Joseph facing another test? Will he seize his opportunity and gain revenge? Some would say that Joseph has been given limitless power for such a time as this. He should seek his revenge. He should make his brothers pay. And both Joseph and his brothers have some decisions to make. And I think we all do. We need to address the problems in our lives. Joseph's brothers have found that they've not been able to move past the terrible sin they've committed. God keeps bringing it up constantly before them. And all of this is coming to a head. And I want you to think about the difficulties and the struggles that often come into our lives. God often brings these things into our lives because we refuse to deal with them when he prompts us. And so we face these difficulty and problems, so we're confronted with our sin. We have to address it. We have to deal with it. Joseph, on the other hand, has his brothers exactly where he may have wanted them, dependent upon him, even for their very lives. But Luke 12, 48 tells us, The one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much has been given, of him much will be required. And from him who is entrusted much, they will demand the more. In this passage, Jesus is speaking about the wise manager who's been set over his master's household and how that manager will be treated when the master returns and finds him conducting himself the way that he should, the way that his master expects him to. For those who have been given much, their conduct will be scrutinised much more. And Joseph could not have much more power than he has. And so before God, he sees that he will be held responsible for everything that he does. And Joseph saw his brothers and recognised them, but he treated them like strangers. And he spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said, and they said from the land of Canaan to buy food. When this says that Joseph spoke roughly to them, I believe it was under God's guidance. I don't believe Joseph was acting out of sorts. This isn't just about family relationships. We're told that Joseph remembered his dreams. And it was far more than remembering that his brothers would bow down to him. If that's all that that was about, wouldn't it just be about puffing Joseph up? If it was just about him filling his ego? But Joseph sees that God had a purpose in placing him in this position, this incredible position of power. Everything God did was to prepare Joseph to act as the head of his family, to protect it, to preserve it. He had all the power and prestige, but he also had the wisdom and humility to see that God had given him all of that for a much greater purpose than seeking revenge with great power comes great responsibility to the one who is entrusted with much much will be demanded of him and Joseph knows the power he has been given has been given for a purpose and in order for Israel to become the holy nation God desires this hidden sin has to be addressed And I find it interesting that so much of what Joseph says are parallels to what these men actually did to Joseph. Joseph remembers the dreams that he had dreamed. And he said to them, You are spies, you have come to see the nakedness of the land. He calls his brothers spies. If we remember back to Genesis 37, 2, Joseph brings a bad report to Jacob about his brothers. In Genesis thirty-seven fourteen, Jacob sends Joseph to his brothers and tells him to report back to him or bring word on what his brothers are doing. I wonder if they ever thought Joseph was daddy's little spy. I wonder if they ever said it to him. Because remember, Joseph didn't do any physical work. He had his beautiful coat, which allowed him to not work. Ironically, in the brothers' defence, they say, We are sons of one man. We are honest men. Joseph obviously knows better, but he doesn't relent on calling them spies. He's not listening to their cries of innocence or pleas of mercy, just as they didn't listen to him when he cried out to them and pleaded for mercy. In Genesis thirty-seven twenty-four, they threw Joseph in a pit and Joseph now throws these guys in prison and they're in custody for three days. It's amazing what happens when we step away from the everyday, when we step away from the busyness of life and spend some time thinking about who we are, what we've done, what God is doing in the midst of everything that is going on in, through and around us. And in this day and age, so many of us are so busy so constantly doing stuff that God often has to take drastic steps in order to get our attention and get us just to be still and spend some time with him. And I believe that's what happened here. The brothers are thrown in prison and they've only got one thing that they can do. They've got time to think. Sometimes we wrong people without conscious thought of what it does to them or how it affects them. I don't think Joseph's brother thought much about what their actions would cause or how their actions would affect Joseph when they threw him in the pit. But now that they're in prison, maybe they're beginning to understand a little bit about what that meant for Joseph and how that would have affected him. Likewise, these three days, Joseph has time to think also, and I I believe that he was no doubt praying, seeking God's wisdom and guidance. And he comes back to them on the third day, and Joseph says to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine to the households. Perhaps Joseph realised that detaining his brothers, all of them, would have been too much for his father and perhaps that would have caused his father just to pass through just fear and anguish. But whatever it is, Joseph changes plans. But what were those three days like for his brothers in prison? They must have been filled with fear. What would become of them? Who would be the one to return to Jacob? How would that person explain to Jacob everything that had happened? How could they possibly tell him that nine of the brothers were back there still in prison and that the youngest had to go to Pharaoh or they could never buy grain again? But then Joseph comes to them. He's a man who fears God. Really? An Egyptian official who fears God? Was it their God that he was talking about? Was it another God? Regardless, Joseph's words give them hope. But there still needed to be change on the brothers' part. The self-interest, the cruelty that they showed in their former lives and in selling Joseph into slavery must be dealt with. And God stirs in the hearts of the brothers They've had three days to think about it. in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw his distress of his soul when he begged us, and we did not listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. They've had time to think, haven't they? And it seems that they've come to the conclusion that their present situation and their treatment of, by joseph sorry, their treatment of Joseph have too many common threads for it just to be a coincidence. They're being punished for what they did to Joseph. And each of them acknowledges that their present circumstances are a direct result of that. These three days has allowed them to see that when people sin, there are consequences. And now they have a sense of their sin, but they haven't yet focused on God. They haven't yet acknowledged him. In fact, Joseph is the only one who has mentioned God in this account so far. But God is patient. He is with Joseph. He was with Joseph. He was with Joseph's brothers. And he is with us. And he constantly extends to us acts of grace. The account we have before us this evening is one that many of the world wouldn't get. They just wouldn't understand it. Joseph has this perfect opportunity to repay his brothers for the way that they treated him. And yet, I believe Joseph is continuing to submit to the will and purpose of God in his life, which means showing God's grace to his brothers. And I want you to think about your journey with God and see if how Joseph treats his brothers reveals or provides how God likewise treats you, treats us. God shows his grace when he doesn't treat us as harshly as we deserve. I mentioned the parallel of Joseph's treatment of his brothers and their treatment of him. When the brothers sold Joseph into slavery, he suffered years in jail. Joseph imprisons his brothers for three days. Joseph says he's going to keep nine of them in jail, but instead he keeps one, allowing the nine to return home. And it's the nine to return home so that they've got enough food to provide for their households. It's another step of grace on Joseph's part. Joseph not only provides the grain that is asked and paid for by his brothers, but he gives them over and above anything they could hope or dream of. And Joseph orders that the bags be filled with the grain, that the money be put back in those bags. And that they be given provisions for the journey. They didn't deserve that act of kindness. They didn't deserve for Joseph to do that. He doesn't bless them a little bit. He pours grace out upon them. He gives them abundance. And I believe that Joseph, being the ethical and upright person that he was, would have paid for that out of his own pocket. He wouldn't assume that he was able to take that from Pharaoh's storehouses. And so he would have paid for it because he is a God-fearing man. And his intention was to bless them, to express love for them. And yet, how can a person who doesn't understand repentance understand grace? People who are confronted with their sin fear God's judgment. They suddenly realise they deserve whatever is coming their way. So many find it difficult to receive forgiveness that is theirs in Christ. And as we continue this account of Joseph's life, you will see that the brothers find it difficult to accept uh, accept Joseph's unconditional forgiveness. And now finally, the brothers mention God. They see that their money has been put back and their hearts fail them. And they turn trebling to one another and say, what is this that God has done to us? Why did they panic? Because they figured that when they returned to Egypt to get their brother and to get more grain, as they no doubt had to because the drought was continuing, they would be accused of stealing the money that they found back in their sacks. It's interesting, isn't it? When they first experience grace, this undeserved favour that they've experienced in the return of their money and the provisions that they've been given, their very thoughts turn to God and they recognise his hand. Grace has taught their hearts to fear and grace ultimately their fears will relieve. But that comes later, much later, when they know their sin is truly forgiven. So what are our takeaways here? Firstly, I want to ask about your conscience. Who or what is shaping your conscience? Can you honestly say that you desire to have a God-shaped conscience and you're committed yourself to take the steps each and every day to make that happen? You are doing everything you can in order for your conscience to be shaped by God. And remember, a God-shaped conscience comes from not just reading, but knowing God's word, allowing it to shape you, transform you and grow you. When Holy Spirit brings something to mind that you know is not God-honouring, do you deal with it? Do you repent? Do you ask God for his forgiveness or do you suppress it? Are you like Joseph's brothers who thought They could ignore it, but God just keeps bringing it up. Is God bringing something up in your life tonight? Is there something that you need to deal with, something that you should be confessing this evening? Are you willing to address those things that God puts his finger on and brings to mind? Do you regularly take time with God quietly, asking him to reveal anything and everything that you should deal with? Are you desperate for him to show you anything in your life that doesn't honour him? So you can look closer and closer to him each and every day. Are you able to acknowledge that God's grace is constantly poured out on us, that he never has and never will treat us the way that we deserve? The only accurate demand I can make for what I deserve is that he judge me cast me into hell that's what I deserve but His grace he doesn't deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities let's pray Father God I thank you for the power of your word I thank you for how it speaks to us I thank you for this account of Joseph and I thank you for the series that we've done. And Lord, I've been in that place. I know there's people here who've been in that place where we haven't honoured you the way that we should, where you've revealed to us things that we need to confess, things we need to repent of, and we've elected to not do that. Will you forgive me? And will you forgive us? Lord if that's anyone here tonight if you've just put your hand on them if you've shown them something they need to confess will you just allow them to come and talk to myself or Pastor Darrell or a trusted Christian friend will you allow them to deal with that this evening so they can know the freedom they can have in you freedom from that burden that they've carried for so long for each of us Lord Let us be found honouring and glorifying you, desiring to draw ever closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well guys, again, for those interested, we have the questions up here. Feel free to come and grab these. You can... Sit around, have a bit of a chat, answer some of those questions and can take them home for you. But this week, I just pray that you'll be ever closer to God. I pray you may know him more. I pray his face will shine upon you and that you'll just be caught up in the beauty of who he is and his incredible grace that he pours out upon us so abundantly and that you may know his love and forgiveness. God bless. Thank you for being here. Don't forget the cake and the hot chocolates.